Welcome to episode 12 of Around the League. I'm here with my man Tuan, and we just finished watching the Toronto Raptors uh, crumble against the Boston Celtics, so we thought we'd just get right on the mic and give you some post-game reactions, as well as delve into the rest of the league. Tuan, what's up, man? Not too well, man. Not too well. That was a uh, pretty poorly played game by the Raptors. I feel like they they played well enough with three quarters, and then Marcus Smart happened. Marcus Smart happened. Let's jump right into the series. Let's jump right into uh, the last couple games. And let's go into game one real quick before we get into this post-game reaction. Um, game one was just an offensive onslaught by Boston. And uh, we watched the Celtics just douse the Raptors in three-point shots all all game in game one while Toronto couldn't find their offense. Yeah, they they struggled defending the corner three. Again, Mark Smart, hate to bring up that name, but he played really well that game. And the Raptors couldn't hit the side of a, the barn basically the entire game. And they were down, I believe, 13-14 in the first, uh, the first quarter and were never really able to get into any sort of rhythm um, throughout the game. And obviously they had that huge 3-4 day delay uh, because of the, the protest. So feel like they were they weren't on uh, they just lost their mojo a little bit after that uh, Brooklyn Nets series. But you know, give it up to Boston who came out guns blazing, uh, beat the shit out of the Raptors, uh, led uh, you know straight off straight off the bat, never let go of the gas pedal, and yeah, they played really well. So. Yeah, I mean, you go into game, you go, you come out of game one, and you know the Raptors just finished sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they got a little bit of rest, so you get a little bit of com- complacency. And I sort of took it as an opportunity for the Raptors to get like a wake up call. You know, things have been so going so well for them in the bubble. Things have been been going so well for them in the first round of the playoffs, um, which is not Raptors like. And for once, they were able to get out early. They were able to rest up. And um, for game one, it 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 proved to sort of lead to some complacency. So you were hoping that they were going to wake up. You were hoping that they were going to. Um, they were going to react and make some adjustments, and they did. You know, game two was a pretty uh, well-rounded game by Toronto for the first three quarters. Um, what were your first initial thoughts from the first three quarters of the game? First three quarters, Siakam started off well, um, attacking from the post. He hasn't had enough um, looks on the perimeter. I know he had that one shot at the the end of the the half where he had that long-range three that, that went in, but I feel like his rhythm is a little off right now. He doesn't have that, you know, the the repertoire that he's had all season where he can take it inside the post, but also face up and then be a three-point threat. Right now, he's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him from probably internally as a team to be that go-to guy to replace whatever Kawhi was able to do last year. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier um, when we were watching the game, that he just doesn't have that skill set, or skill set, and we're kind of putting him into that number one position where he probably shouldn't be that that go-to guy. They should probably focus on more being a just well-rounded team and not put all that pressure on him. He's much better suited to be a second guy who can cut baseline, spot up three 
rebound, be that energy guy, run the floor for a quick, um, fast break bucket. But he's definitely struggling right now. And yeah. I, I don't know what his stats were. Um, I know he had 20 points, but I think it was like 7 of 19 or 20 shooting. And, yeah, we just had to find another way to 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 get the, to get gets our offense rolling. We didn't score 100 points today. We are at 99, right? So yeah, absolutely. And like the the issue that that we're having is Toronto is a team that during the regular season had five guys averaging over 15 points. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the playoffs, um, you're kind of put under a put under a microscope. And I think that we're seeing that right now with this Toronto team. I'm not going to freak out. We're down 0-2. We've been down 0-2 before. Um, obviously, the next two games are pivotal, but uh, we're we're searching for that guard play that Boston has uh, a luxury of. Like they have a surplus of guards that can score at will. And I was telling you while we were watching the game, like picture this: Jason Tatum had 34 quiet points today. Yeah. He knew you knew that he could get you one, two, three, or four possessions in a row worth of buckets. That's that's a great luxury to have in the playoffs. We were struggling at all times to find that guy. At times it was Pascal. At times that was OG. At times it was Fred Van Fleet. But we couldn't confidently ISO and give the ball to one particular person. I think that's starting to hurt the Raptors. I think that we knew it in the back of our heads for the entire season. But we were play- we were just playing such good team ball, right? In the playoffs, you need that isolation game. You need one or two guys that you can rely on uh, for back-to-back-to-back buckets. And today for Boston, they had, they had Tatum. Kemba didn't play very well, but he came through when you needed him. And the one and only, Marcus Smart. And we mentioned his name because in the third quarter, or sorry, in the fourth quarter, he had 15 straight points. Yeah. He had, or did he make that free throw? With the he made the free one? throw, So yeah. he had 16, 16 straight points for the Celtics to... I think when he made that to to get them up one after being down eight going to the fourth and then they had the lead three four minutes in so that was definitely the um, the turning point of the game there um, I think the Raptors had a great game plan um, they were able to get Vliet going going early I know he struggled later in the game he had really good looks really good looks in the fourth he had two three good looks um, wide open looks to either take the lead or at least tie the game. And we weren't able to do that. And like you mentioned, we don't have that go-to guy like they have with Tatum. Even though they, even though Tatum got the offensive foul and then he got the technical, that's the type of shot that we were always depending on Kawhi to make last year. That mid-range shot that you know you're going to get a bucket with like two minutes or less to go. Or even Kemba with that step back on Serge um, when the Raptors only have one and then they took it to three. So... Man, yeah, our our nightmares kind of coming true with the late, um, late stages of the game where we don't have that one guy to to just depend on to to get us a bucket and just so many so many bad turnovers by the Raptors in the last minute or two. Siakam um, stepping out of bounds that was a crucial mistake, and then even when we got the rebound after that Lowry pull up with a minute left. And then Van Vliet passed it to Siakam, and we had the jump ball. And even though we won that jump ball, it's still another opportunity lost, another opportunity for Boston to potentially get the ball, and we just weren't able to capitalize on that. Yeah. And it, it, with with that being all said and everything, we played a very good defensive game outside of the 15, 16 points by 
smart in those two, three, four minutes of play. And, you know, I'm even though they're down 2 nothing, I know we've been here before, but we're not with Kawhi. But I, I felt good about this game. I just didn't feel good about the last four or five minutes of the game, which I think is obviously important. Uh, but for the first 43, 44 minutes of the game, I think we, they played a well-rounded basketball game defensively. OG showed up. Let's mention, let's give, a, give a shout out to OG for probably being the best wrapped on the floor today in terms of defending Tatum, defending uh, Marcus Smart, and then also be able to crash the boards, make the corner threes. So he played his role perfectly. We just need Lowry. I know he's been, I know he's been hurt. Sorry, I know, I, I know you want to inject here, but Lowry's been hurt. Um, he obviously has an ankle injury and doesn't look like he's up to speed yet. His shot's not flying right now, and we need him to get going early. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm still hopeful. I know that this team's resilient, and again, they have that championship pedigree. But uh, yeah, must win next game. Must win the next two games. Really, going down three one is gonna be tough, especially with this type of team and that type of coaching staff. And Brad Stevens being the the type of coach he is, he's gonna be able to try to seal the series as soon as possible. So, yeah, I, I, they just have to come out guns a blaze in the next game, and you know, we just fingers crossed that they're able to hit some shots and defend at the same level that they're doing right now. And yeah, we'll see what goes from here. Yeah, three things come to mind uh, in that game. I have three takeaways. Number one, and I said this to you while we we're watching the game, the closest thing we have to Jason Tatum is Norman Powell. So we are we are lacking guard play. Um, we rely on Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry too much. Celtics guards are very long, and they become problematic when we have to make when we have half court sets. When we're relying on getting offense out of half, half court sets, Toronto is among the worst team, worst teams in the NBA in half court offense. They're one of the best teams in transition offense. Coincidentally, Boston's the best transition defensive team. So we're automatically at a bit of a disadvantage in this series. Number two or three, you know, so much of uh, the media, so much of the people that critique the Raptors give us credit for our championship pedigree. And I saw a lack of leadership and a lack of poise in that third quarter. We were we were up by twelve points, yep. um, just to at the towards the end of the third quarter. Yeah, the two minute mark. And we were playing as if we were down. We were playing with the lack of poise, and we were playing with the lack of leadership. And I said to you while we were watching the game, you know, based on that, um, based on how frazzled they look, they're still a few steps back from being that elite team that uh, that we know them to be during the regular season. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I don't, they kind of deserve to lose in a way because I felt like they didn't do a good job of um, playing with a lead. They were still playing very helter-skelter basketball as if they were down. And it was, yeah, it was kind of hard to see because they were they were searching for that guy to depend on. Yeah, yeah, I think it was evident that we are missing that, that go-to ISO player where you just give them the ball and, hey, just give us two buckets when we're up 10 or give us two buckets when we're down five. Yeah, so... To, to, to get us back to, to, to even, you know? So we know that uh, obviously games uh, three and four are huge, but we're going to move on. That was our little vent. Um, let's talk about the rest of the league. There's a lot of interesting games on right now. There's a lot of interesting matchups and a lot of interesting storylines. Um, it's kind of weird to see like game 
or ser- or this first round and the second round being played simultaneously like this. Yeah, it is. But I think they're they're rushing it a little bit because obviously they had the protests, and I think they were they were on schedule to finish a little quicker than than a normal playoff would be. Um, but yeah, it is kind of weird to see Houston OKC not even playing, not finishing their series off yet, and then also Denver and Utah about to about to start their game right now, and yeah. It's it's a little bit weird. The Raptors are down two or two nothing already, and the other series aren't even started complete yet. Uh, but yeah, let's get into let's get into the the next matchup, the Tonight's Denver, matchup. the Denver and Utah game that's about to start right now. Um, battles of two young budding superstars, Jamal Murray, Kitchener's very own, and Donovan Mitchell, who are averaging like thirty five a game, and you know let's just. Give props to Jabal Murray. This guy, the last three games, averaging 47 points per game, five assists, five rebounds, 50, 42, 50 in the last three games, and basically t- putting his team on his back after being down 3-1. Donovan Mitchell, again, 30. I think he's averaging 36 points per game, really matching bucket for bucket with Jamal Murray, and it's been quite, quite the quite the matchup so far so what, what what are your thoughts just overall on on the first six games and what are your predictions for game seven that's happening right now I like how Mike Malone has decided to make Jamal Murray the go-to guy a lot of the offense in the regular season in the playoffs has always been through Jokic and you knew that Jamal Murray was capable of this type of play um you know, he was a budding star coming out of Kentucky. But the issue with Jamal Murray for his, for his short career so far has been inconsistency. Mm-hmm. He's shooting the lights out, but he's like a 35% three-point shooter yeah. um, in, in real life. So maybe he's coming out of his shell. Maybe he's starting to break out into that superstar that everyone knows he's capable of being. But, you know, I'd be... If he can if he can play this way in a game seven with this on the line, then I kind of feel like he's solidifying himself into becoming that that superstar, that one A superstar that he's capable of potentially being. I see the his play a little bit more surprising and a little bit more impressive than Donovan Mitchell, because Donovan Mitchell has been this guy before. Yep. And the problem with Do- Donovan Mitchell has kind of been like James Harden-ish, where his Success has come at the cost of his team. And I feel like he's starting to develop that balance of getting his own and getting his teammates involved. So um, I just really hope that both come out and put it all on the line in this game. And I hope that they're able to achieve the standard of um, success that they've been achieving all series. I don't know who's going to... I can't really say who's going to come out of this series. Yeah, just as obviously being from Kitchener... I think we all kind of hope that Jamal Murray is able to to pull it off. But again, they, they are very similar players. Donovan Mitchell has been able to prove, um, again, in the playoffs, that he is a dependable scorer. They both are a bit inconsistent, and I think they're showing that um, they're not, yeah, they're playing at an extremely high level. And like you mentioned, Jamal Murray's his. We've always known that he's had this possibility. He's he's had 48, 47 points games before, and mm. it's really surprising to to see that he's 
honestly playing at such a high level right now. But it could also be matchups, you know. Um, it could if they play. Who, who would they play next? Would they play the Clippers? Is it the Clippers? This yeah, is, this is, it'd this be is, the Clippers. This is a 3-6 three, three, matchup, right? Right. So I think whoever comes out of this matchup, um, if they really want to solidify their their status around the league, they're going to have to show it against probably the best the best primitive defensive team in the league with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, uh, and those guys. So, it, again, this is just one step towards um, the, the, the main the main goal or the main objective. But if they're able to, yeah, I'm just hoping that they are able to put together great ballots today and no one kind of just flounders under under the pressure and someone else arises. I really just hope they just go for 40-plus and see who just makes the final shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely going to be a really interesting Game 7. Every Game 7 is, but this one in particular because I feel like the microscope has been on this series. People are talking about Jamal Murray. People are talking about Donovan Mitchell. And it's good to see a good old-fashioned shootout. You know, you th- you talk about these types of matchups in, in legendary um, instances, you know, historical in- instances. People are putting this in comparison to a lot of, like, the Magic Bird rel- um, uh, rivalries just because they were so back and forth, right? Yeah, You're yeah. trading buckets sort of thing. So it's really interesting to see that. Um, yeah, let's move on. I mean, I think we should just give some give some shout outs to um to teams and to players you know dallas the dallas mavericks got eliminated in game game six um let's give a shout out to luka Doncic. you know just reminding everyone and proving to everyone how much of a 1a superstar he really is and the fact that he's in top five debates at this stage in his career we might not see him get eliminated in a first round for a very long time after mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah, he played at such a high level for a second-year player, again, again against the best perimeter defenders in the league, in Paul George, in Kawhi Leonard. And they didn't have Przingis for half, half the series at, um, at the time. So he was the main focus. He had to rely on Seth Curry, Maxi Kleba, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway. Like that's not a great supporting cast, especially without uh, Dwight Powell, without KP, um, and he, yeah, he just played at such a high level. And his game is so nice to watch because he's playing at such a beautiful pace. Again, we know that he's not super athletic, but you just know that he's playing at another level in terms of basketball IQ. He knows the right play. He knows the angles. He's strong enough to hit the contact and get in ones in the post, in the paints. And even though his three-pointers aren't really consistent, he's still not losing confidence after after a miss. So he just has that IQ and that confidence for a player that I've really never seen before. I think he's you know, better than LeBron was at the same age. Mm. So his trajectory is if he's able to develop develop a better jump shot than LeBron, then he has the same skill sets in terms of being a playmaker for the team, being a outstanding rebounder for his size, and just someone that just plays two steps ahead of everyone else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Qualitatively speaking, when I just give him the eye test, there were so many things that I saw 
in this series that impressed me. Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell, um, yeah. who's the other guy that got ejected? What's his name? Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris, yeah. These guys are goons. And no, hats off to the Clippers for getting Marcus Morris because they made him do exactly what they brought him on to do, which was get into the head of Luka Doncic and, and be a pest. Yeah. Be a pest to KP. That's why he's on the team. You can call him dirty. You can say you can say what you want about him, but he's a hired goon. And every championship team has had them in the past. You know, a lot of championship teams, a lot of successful teams have had these types of players in the past. They're very valuable. And but what I want to, I want to go back to Luca. The eye test suggests that the way he speaks to referees, the way he speaks back to players who talk to him or chirp him, yeah. um, he does it at a at a level that's that's superstar like. It's different. He doesn't get frazzled, mm-hmm. and if he does get frazzled, he answers back. Um, so I just I just feel like he's a guy that doesn't back down. Um, you would think that he'd be soft just by you know the classic European stereotype, but he's a boss man. This guy's a this guy's a really tough kid, and the fact that he was able to carry um, a very shallow Dallas team to six games was mind blowing. Yeah, and I just want to say that just watching every game of the series and watching KP um, play pretty play pretty well in the first few games and get hurt. And then also the game one where they were up the entire uh, the entire game, and then having him get ejected because of a scuffle with uh, Marcus Morris, and then getting him ejected after the second technical. Um, Dallas looked really good, really really good. And if KP is able to stay healthy, if they're able to surround him with other shooters and more complementary players. Um, this team is definitely a team that will uh, will be challenging the the elite Western Conference teams uh, for years to come. No, absolutely, and you gotta realize, you know, Rick Carlisle is a legendary coach, and he has the ability to maximize the players that he has. Case in point, this this uh, series against the Clippers. But I just want to talk about. The Kawhi effect, and we experienced it in Toronto. In Toronto, the fact that this guy can get you three, four, five buckets in a row um, speaks volumes as to uh, how important it is to have a top five player on your team. And case in point, Game Six, like you, you were telling me, there was four possessions in a row where they just went to Kawhi and he iced the game. He had like thirty-four points. Um, I think he was double digits and rebounds and, you know, just shy of a triple-double. Yeah. It's these types of players that they create so much separation. And I, I just want to tie this back to the to the Toronto Raptors because um, we were searching for it all game and it was really sad to see. <laughs> it was. As a Boston fan, you got to be so delighted because this might have been a historical Boston moment for a guy like Marcus Morris to... Um, rise to the occasion and just go back to back to back to back triples. Uh, it was it was a it was a legendary game for a for a Boston fan, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting how a team like Toronto bounces back um, for Game Three. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what to say. It's just well, I have an idea. I feel like we should maybe not record podcasts after Raptors <laughs> losses because. 
<laughs> our true colors really come yeah. out. We're highly unstable. Yeah. We... Um, <laughs> Post-Raptor losses. Yeah. So I guess we let's let's just quickly go into the other game seven that's happening tomorrow. Um, Houston Rockets, OKC Thunder. Who would have thought? You know, Chris Paul could lead this young crew, a team that people were. Th- People thought we we're going to be tanking for the next four or five years. And he's coming back and potentially going to beat his old team that traded him away last year. So um, I don't know what that says about James Harden, what, what it says about Russell Westbrook. I know Westbrook's been hurt. Only he's, come, only he's played the last two games, so he's still trying to get his legs under him. But it would be a catastrophic failure if the... Rockets bow out to the Thunder uh, in Game Seven, and would it be catastrophic though? Because I feel like this is traditional Rockets um, historical play. They've 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 uh, got themselves to points where they were in a Game Seven situation, and history will suggest that they're going to crumble. Yeah, but. They have by far the two best players in the series with the with the best complementary players to play them. They traded Clint Capella to remove him out of the paint so Westbrook could attack the paint. And then they surrounded Harden with all these shooters. And if not and they have people consider him one of the best offensive coaches in the league and Mike D'Antoni. And honestly, OKC is playing not that great. They're not shooting well at all. They're depending on Lou Dortz. A shout out to Montreal native Lou Dortz um, to shoot the ball. I know he went over nine in Game Five, and then he did make two or three three pointers uh, last night. But you're depending on a rookie to guard possibly the most prolific offensive player of all time. Um, and if they're somehow able to pull that off, you know, that's a miracle by Billy Donovan, by Chris Paul. And it says, I think that says a lot about who Chris Paul is because last night's game, he scored huge buckets late in the fourth. They were down 5-6. He made two big threes over, um, what's his name? Covington. Yeah. And made clutch three or clutch free throws uh, late in that game too uh, to seal that game. And the Rockets looked lost. They didn't know who to get the ball to, and Westbrook made terrible turnovers in the last uh, last minute of, of that game. So you know, there's one more game left. Everything could be erased if the Rockets win. The, I think they have a pretty good matchup with the Lakers as well. I think they match up well against them. I, I believe they played two games against them uh, with a small ball lineup in the regular season and in the bubble, and they were two and zero. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If OKC gets through, I really don't think they have a chance. But the playoffs is really all about matchups, like we're seeing with Miami and Milwaukee uh, in Game 1. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I think Rockets will win uh, just because they'll get the calls. They have the two best players. But you can never really count out uh, a team with Chris Paul. No, you can't. And I think... The way I see this series is that if the Rockets lose, it's going to say a lot about the Rockets. It's going to say a lot about 
uh, James Harden, and it's going to really solidify uh, preconceived notions that people have about James Harden's ability to get out of playoffs uh, series, and especially Game 7s. If they don't win this uh, series, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a huge knock on James Harden's reputation. He's always going to be a bona fide stud, a 1A on offense. But if he can't get through this Game 7, if he goes 0 for 24, which he highly doubt, likely won't, um, it's going to say a lot about Houston's ability to win, and they're going to have to really look at their roster, their coaching, and their whole approach towards um, how they plan on being a successful team. With whether it's small ball, they're going to have to reevaluate their their approach. Um, for Chris Paul, this is huge. We've been big on OKC the whole time. We've said that all season that they were super successful. Three really strong guards who perform really well in fourth quarters. It's gonna it's gonna really help Chris Chris Paul's stock value because ideally for OKC they're going to want to get rid of that contract, and Chris Paul is going to get to a team. A destination where he wants to go to. If he can, if he can finish this season with OKC at a high note, it's going to really help his uh, trade value. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel like this is going to work out really well for OKC. I feel like Chris Paul is too good of a leader. I feel like he's going to have the ability to lead his team in a game seven better than James Harden is going to have the ability to lead his team in a game seven. Yeah. I, I... You're, that's right, and that's uh, I totally agree with you on that point, especially with Chris Paul. Um, OKC is in a great, great spot right now. They're playing with house money. They're playing with a lot of house money. They have a treasure trove of draft picks from the Paul George trade, from the Westbrook trade, and now if they're able to get Chris Paul and trade him uh, at in the off season to a contender. And be able to, you know, get a few draft picks from there. Uh, that team's gonna be stocked, especially with uh, Shea Gilgis as the leading guard for the future. Again, with Lugan Dortz, another great perimeter defender, and his game's only gonna develop. And he's gonna, you know, just work on his three. And if he's able to um, have a consistent three-point shot, be that great three and D guy like we have with like OG, have that similar type of play where he's just a bully. He's just a running back. Uh, style type of player uh, in the NBA right now. And, yeah, they have a great future. Uh, they have Presti as the GM. He's always made, you know, great moves outside of trading trading away Harden. Um, but great future for that team. And, yeah, excited to see what the results are for tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most exciting playoffs that I've seen in a really long time. I feel like you got four teams in the East that could honestly go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, no team is safe, and um, we are witnessing a very random playoffs, which is not very uh, NBA-like. If you look at the last decade of NBA basketball with your San Antonios, your Miamis, your Golden States, this is cool. This is really cool to see. Where you can't really pinpoint who's going to come out of the East. You got Milwaukee down one nothing right now to the Miami Heat, um, and we can get into that team later. Uh, we'll record another podcast and, and go in, go into more depth because there's still so much to talk about yeah. with the first and second round so far in the NBA. But it's exciting stuff. It's really exciting stuff. I feel like the West Coast is a lot more, you know, you're still thinking Lakers, you're still thinking Clippers. Clippers yeah. um, but but on the East, on the East side, it's, it's super, it's super um, what do you call it? 
unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. So, man, let's. Uh, you want to wrap it up there? Yeah, let's wrap it up here. Um, again, shitty, shitty game by the Raptors. You know. Thank you for everyone uh, <laughs> who's been listening to our therapy session for the first fifteen minutes of this podcast. But no, we're having fun with it. Yeah. It's still not over for Toronto fans. No. It's looking really good for Boston fans. Um, and the NBA is really exciting right now. Yeah. Honestly, I still have hope. Raptors in seven. You know, come back from 2-0. We've done it before, baby. Let's go. Raptors, Miami, Eastern Conference Finals. Raptors win that one. Play Clippers. Be Kawhi. You know, bring back the Larry O.B. You know, uh... It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right, man. Let's jump into... I hope you're right. Let's go... uh, Let's end this podcast and go watch uh, Denver, Utah. All right. Let's do it up. All right, man. It was great talking to you. And thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, We will... uh, We'll definitely release more podcasts more consistently. Yeah. um, Up until the playoffs are over. So, yeah. We'll definitely send something out more regularly on a hopefully weekly basis and have something for everyone to listen to. All right, thanks for tuning in. Peace.